I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. First cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's WGC Dell Technologies match play. We played from four to two, from two to one. We'll bring you all the action in just a few moments. Mark Immelman is here. Hello, Mark. Hi, guys. Nice to be with you. Hope you had a good weekend. We well, I, I won't speak for the other two, but I did. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what one, what a week. Two, you know, these guys on the course are talking about how exhausted they are. They, no one ever asks how we're doing. Seriously. It, 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 right. You know, and it, it's uh, a very offensive, first of all. <laughs> yes. Second of all, it's it's exhausting because th- these are it's sometimes in the stroke play events. You know, you you miss the morning and um you can miss the morning things kind of you can ease into it a little bit and you can catch the really important stuff in a much shorter window of time when you have matches going on first of all the beginning of the match is really important uh and so if you want to have a good idea of what really takes place you got to watch the whole thing so we're we're out here watching 36 holes mm-hmm. back-to-back days um it, it's i mean what a week my my right index finger from clicking around on my computer for five straight days. I might be on the the IR uh, come next week. Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello, sir. Yeah, I I I'm out of tweets. I agree with you. It's just it's an exhausting week for everyone. It's it's very tiring. Very very tiring stuff indeed. Well, let's uh, let's start with the morning because it's 36 holes for the final four. They play. The semifinals, and then even if you do not win that initial match, you go on to the consolation match. So our final four of Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, Cam Young, and Rory McIlroy all played two matches today, and that morning session was an absolute doozy. For the first time in Dell Technologies match play history, both semifinals went to extra holes. So let's before we even jump into this, Mark, we, we knew we were going to get some, some really good golf 
on Sunday because of the names that we had. But for both of the semis to go to playoffs was just chef's kiss. Yeah, and I think over the top of that, I, I made the point on Twitter. I don't tweet as prolifically as Kyle, but I made the point where I was like, well, this is four studs, and I got ripped by all and sundry on Twitter because this wasn't four studs according to the Twitter sphere. And I was like, in my memory, certainly, and I'm sure you can back this up, that for the first time, I think ever, maybe, that every single one of the semifinalists was a seed, one of the top 16 seeds. And so you had guys that were, they, they played according to form, if you will. You had one and three and then 13 and 15 or whatever it was. So, yeah, you had some awesome matchups, some intriguing matchups. You had seeds showing up. And uh, it, it was, I think, a, you say chef's kiss, I would say like a pleasant send-off for Dell. I mean, what a way to finish the thing on a great day. No. Forget Dell. If they're not in, I'm not in. I'm not buying any more laptops. I'm not buying any more keyboards. I was just teeing you up. I'm out on Dell. I'm going to, uh, I can't even think of another computer company. Apple. HP. HP, Apple. I'm a Mac guy now. Uh, this match, Greg, oh, mama. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns found out today they are indeed friends. Could not, <laughs> could not have been a better start for Burnsy who wins hole number one, hole number two, and a hole number three. He's boat racing the number one player in the world right out of the gate. Yeah, this is um, looking kind of ugly for Scotty Scheffler early. Uh, and and you're thinking, well, are, are we going to get the Sam Burns that we got all week in this match? And you know that they're friends, which you heard a time or two today. Um, but, but I think that really plays a role. It takes a little bit of the edge off of... Um, you know, playing the number one player in the world because it's somebody that you've played a lot of golf with, somebody you've competed against, somebody you've beat uh, before. And so getting a three-up lead, and, and at the same time in that, you've played a lot of golf with them, watched them play on the PGA Tour. You know exactly that this match isn't over just because you get three up. Uh, so I think there were a lot of advantages at that point for Sam Burns. But, but then he lost his swing. He started hitting it all over the map. I mean, Scotty went on a little run, but he didn't really have to to get back into this thing. Sam Burns kind of gave kind of gave him some holes, uh, hit some balls in play. And it just so happened that Scotty went on a, a little run of his own, which, you know, didn't really matter much. But this one overall was kind of like a basketball game to me where, where you just had you had three really big swings um, and it ended up being quite a finish. Well, Sam Burns' run came out of the gate, but KP, it was Scotty Scheffler's run from holes five through ten. It was interesting. So, Bur er, Scheffler wins five of those six holes. He plays them at four under. He makes four birdies. Pretty ugly on the other side of things. Sam Burns plays them at three over. So, uh, this is where Scotty not only squares the match, but through ten holes is two up. And you're thinking, all right, now it might be – Way freight chain on Scotty's side. Yeah, Scotty's a menace. I mean, he's a he's a match play menace because he just doesn't. I mean, I, I you know the this match was very much a here's two ways to play match play where Burns is more volatile, where he's he comes out hot, then starts making bogeys, and Scheffler is just he just doesn't make mistakes at it, especially at an easy ish golf course, you know, like like Austin Country Club obviously was. So he. You know, we talk all the time about. I think Cantlay is the guy that I reference. Is like, God, I wouldn't want to play him. I think it. I think Shuffler is actually who I think Cantlay is. 
Like, I just, I mean, you can't do anything against him. You know, you, you can't, it's just very, very, you, you have to play kind of out of your mind, which is what Burns did. And I mean, he made what three, six, nine birdies on the day to beat him. I mean, and that's kind of what you have to do because he's not going to make the bogey, the double kick away holes. It's just not going to happen. So uh, I, I was, I was impressed. I mean, Scheffler is, I think his physical gifts are fairly obvious, I think mentally he doesn't probably get enough credit for what he's done and is doing uh, over the last 18 months. Amen, Kyle. I'm so glad you said that because when I watch this, I think the world watching this for the first time may have grown a true appreciation for who Scotty Scheffler is as a golfer. And look, he drives it long. We all know that. He's surprisingly accurate off the tee. He's a wonderful iron player, and then he's a really sound scrambler. But he's just got that thing that you can't quantify, and that's when a shot kind of has to be made, he's the guy I would sort of pick. When a putt has to be made, he sort of finds that extra gear. And I watched him play, and it occurred to me, I'm like, maybe people will grow a deeper appreciation for how good this guy really is. Because to me, he looked almost invincible at one stage. And bar just an out-of-the-world five-foot miss or whatever it was on the second or third playoff hole, second maybe, you know, this guy may be in the final again. So, um, to me, he looked just incredible the entire week. And he is, for someone coming in, played a lot of golf, you know, has had a couple of victories, the Players' Championship just, you know, mere weeks ago. Uh, the guy just looks like he gets right back in the saddle. And that is a skill to just show up every week and have everything sort of operational. And when he's not there, he keeps himself relevant. And then he finds his little groove and he makes a few birdies on you. And the next thing you turn around, he's dusted you. And so it, it was... I hope people grow an appreciation for how good he is physically and mentally as well, because the guy is truly a machine right now. Sam Burns starts his second run of the match on 13 with a birdie and wins the hole. He would play his final six holes of regulation in four under. He would square the match on 15. He'd actually take the lead on 17 before Scotty makes birdie on 18, Greg, and 18 holes is not going to be enough for these two. No. And by the way, the shot that Sam Burns hit into 17 was so sweet. Yes. Uh, it was officially, uh, so that's that short little downhill par three, officially to 11 inches. Yeah, that was uh, that was just awesome to watch. And it added a lot of the drama and uh, compelling nature to the to the day. And, and then what Mark was saying earlier, if there's somebody you need to hit a shot, it's Scotty Scheffler. And, and he steps up on 18 and makes a sweet up and down on 18 as well. Um, and, and he and Sam Burns were kind of right next to each other in a little chipping contest. And Scotty got the better of them. But, but you look at the playoff then, and on the 20th hole, hole, hole number 13, Scotty really should have won. The, he he should have won it. Uh, and it was a kind of a disappointing miss there, but it, it, he took so long over that putt. Yeah. It was like, I think it took over two minutes for You're a putt inside of 10 read, feet to read the putt, to read the putt. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing took forever. And I think that can add a lot of pressure sometimes when you pressure. know, yeah, it, it does. It, the, it mounts and mounts and mounts. And this moment just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you, you become so 
incredibly precise. And all of a sudden it's different than your normal routine. It's different than any other putt you hit, which in theory, I know this is so much easier said than done, but in theory, it shouldn't be any different. Um, so I, I think in a way, Scotty kind of gave, you know, he, he left the door open for a really hot player, kind of gave it away there on, uh, on 13 in the playoff. Greg, I just want to elaborate. I want to back up a little bit to that pitch shot Scotty hit on 18 because I'm a fan of a spinny wedge, you know, a yeah. pitch shot from 40 feet. And yeah, you're playing, uh, unless my memory is failing me, he was into the grain on those tight Bermuda fairways there. The green's oh, a good 15 feet above you. It's on a second plateau over there. And he drives this thing, front edge of the club down, clips the ball, one, two, three jumps up on the slope, grabs, and then curls him behind the hole. I, I don't think people realize how good that was on just Thursday, yeah. let alone Sunday morning when you got a chance to advance to the final. I mean, that shot was freaking spectacular. Uh, and and look, it sucked that he missed the putt later on, but but that wedge was like, I, I stood there, I rewound the thing a few times and watched it over and over again. That spinny wedge uh, got us into a playoff. They split or have uh, the first playoff hole with a pair of birdies. We are alluding to this four foot three inch putt Kyle that Scotty had to close out to close out Sam Burns to punch his ticket to the finals as he's going through that routine, which seems longer than normal. I'm I'm advancing him in the bracket. I'm I'm doing copy paste. Move his name along. No way, Scotty misses this thing. Yeah, it was over. Vince Vince was in the drafts. <laughs> it was it was done deal. I mean, but that's a little bit of the conditioning that of like Scotty has had on everybody over the last year and a half, right? Where he just makes every well, other than the seventy second hold against national, he makes every putt that. That matters. Uh, he makes I guess all he, that matters. He, yeah, he didn't. He didn't need to make those three, so yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't didn't uh, didn't affect him. But yeah, I was I was shocked that he missed it. Uh, and it, it was, you know, I, I I was thinking about this with with Sam Burns. It's got to be really difficult. Like I know they're buddies and like room together, and that's like a real thing. Uh, Sean Martin did a really good story on them for PGATour.com. I think it was in the fall. He like hung out with them and just like saw their sort of interaction and time together up close. It's gotta be hard when like your really close friend is world number one winning the masters. Like I, I think in people's heads, you're like, Oh, that's cool. Like that would be fun. If my friend was doing that, I think it, if there's probably part of it, that's fun. There's probably part of it that you like have a hard time with. Like you, cause you play with that guy and you're like, I'm as good as that guy. I mean, you know, I, I think within reason and I think Burns, I can't imagine that he doesn't struggle with that. So I, I was actually kind of happy for him because, you know, he's beaten him heads up before colonial last year. Uh, but this, this was a big deal and Scotty's gotten a lot of run and deservedly so over the last year and a half. But I, I thought it was cool for Burns just from a confidence standpoint to go out and do that against uh, Scotty Shuffler. Well, the door was opened with that uh, miss on the second playoff hole, the 20th hole overall. Sam Burns would obviously go on to win this match. It was thanks to a, a birdie on the third playoff hole. And Sam Burns is the first half of our championship match. Uh, Greg, I'll throw this back to you. Mark was kind of alluding to just like 
the the game wasn't in particularly great shape recently. He maybe finds a little confidence at Valspar, a place that he's had a lot of success. He was dealing with kind of the driver issues since Riviera, and all of a sudden he's playing heads up for three point six million bucks. Yeah, his iron play really plummeted from you know in this PGA Tour season at least. He was outside the top hundred and fifty in strokes gained approach the green. And and in the two years where Sam Burns accumulated his first four wins, uh, that was a very different story. Um, he was he was at you know a top thirty or so uh, iron player both of those years, and so th- this was kind of a his his golf swing was struggling for a while, and he tried to get it back. He played well in Phoenix, but then like Mark said, Mark was saying um, before we got on air that it was kind of all over the place for him at the players uh, and and he was not hitting it really well and you were wondering is it is it going to stick is the good glimpses the good flashes that we've seen are are they going to stick and boy they did this week cuz i mean he was at least over the weekend he was definitely the best iron player in the field um and i think he was the best putter in the field as well there was that little moment in time where he lost he, you know he lost his swing a little bit uh, against Scotty and but he got it back which is a great sign I mean that that's a sign that somebody really understands what's going on in their swing they understand how to get it back on track and it would have been really easy after you know after the 10th hole when all of a sudden you're two down to kind of let this thing get away uh, and and he didn't so I, I give him a ton of credit for that and I think it's a sign that what we've seen is real. He's really, he's made real improvements. He's a, he's swinging the club a lot better now than he, than he was. If you like playoffs, I got, thank you. I've got another one for you on the other side of the bracket, Rory McIlroy and Cam Young, Mark Cam Young strikes first blood wins on hole number three to go one up. He has been, an absolute killer on the front nine this week, but Rory McIlroy was not going to stay down for long. He squared this match at number five. He took the lead at number six and led for the majority of this match before we get to the final couple holes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to sort of dive into Cam Young golf swing because this is sort of my thing. And, you know, when he came out, look, he's always hit the ball hard. We referenced that when he was a rookie. Um, I remember us talking about that. But hit the ball with a lot of shape, a lot of shape from left to right, a lot of spin. The thing would climb in the air pretty high. Still kind of does, but the ball's more efficient through the air. And he used to hit some really steep wedges. And, and, and to me, there was a lot of body rotation on short little pitchy shots like that. And he was a little inconsistent for someone as talented as what he is. But I watched him play, man. And it was like, my golly, this guy does not have a weakness right now. The wedges are shallow. He's controlling flight. He's got a little off-speed shot that he never used to have. It was always full bore. And I watched him. He he ripped one back on 13 from the back edge of the green or 12, whatever it was, 13, uh, with hard spin. And then he hit the little soft, you know, one-up and stoppers. He was just blitzing the thing off the tee and, and not a lot of curvature on it. So I was looking at this guy going, man, oh, man, this is incredible. And it's with this that I must uh, I must acknowledge Greg Ducharme. Um, the addition of Paul Tesori was a big deal. And I had questions. I was like, look, they're brand new. They're both good at what they do, but they're brand new. And Greg's like, I believe in this crowd. And I was like, okay, it remains to be seen. Well, Greg, I defer. That's a really big call by you. And I'm impressed because uh, I think Paul Tesori was kind of like, I've got this cannon at my side and I'm just going to point him in the right direction, kind of help him with shot selection. 
and he looked legitimate. I mean, we know he's talented, or at least it's, that's the word. We all know he can really go, but now it looks like he can really win, and there's two different things. I love the uh, combination of a veteran of a veteran caddy and a young, talented player like this. It's got to be so fun for Paul Tesori to be able to point him around the golf course. And then also with the youth, you know, you reach out, if you're Cam Young, you reach out to a Paul Tesori in hopes that um, somebody can help you. So right away, you have this mindset of, I know that this guy can help me. I'm going to let him help me. And and it's a really... It's a really nice way to start off a relationship. Um, and then when you get the you know validation of making nine threes in a row in your first nine holes together, I, I think <laughs> I, I think they've built a lot of trust in a very, very short period of time because um, that kind of start is unbelievable. Yeah, forgive me. I must share this real fast. Uh, Honda Classic earlier this year, um, he's still on Tesori's bag. Before the round, I'm on the course. So you, I always go by the first tee, say hello. If I don't catch them on the range and look in the bag to see like what wedges they're carrying, you know, because that helps me with my job. And I look in the bag. I'm like, Paul, what you got here? And he goes, man, we've got a bag full of head covers. There was a driver, three wood, five wood, couple of hybrids and a six iron in the first for in the bag for the first time since for like two years for Webb. Now he's with Cameron Young. There's no hybrids anymore. This is just long irons that are smashed into the air like homesick angels. I mean, it's got to be a whole lot of fun for Tesori. <laughs> the 18th TKP, Roy McElroy, one up, one to go. They call that Dormy. Do you know why they call it Dormy? I don't. Uh, I'm going to get you close. I might not get you 100%, but I'm going to get you close here. Sounds uh, like you're out over your skis a little bit here. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> So th- the Spanish word for to sleep is dormir, right? We're all on the same page so far. Mm-hmm. The French version of that is something close. It's not dormir, but it's like dorm something. Okay. So it is basically saying you could fall asleep and not lose. That's where it comes from. You're dormy. I like that. Yeah. Now you can't, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win, but you could fall asleep and not lose. Yeah, that's You're great. Dormant. Yeah, that's okay. A, I mean, you come here for gambling takes, mat or uh, history lessons, where other else? languages. Where else could you get this? It's this extraordinary. Story. So, Rory Dormy on the 18th tee. Cam Young essentially knows he's got to do something special. That something special that he did do was a 322 yard drive, a little pitch to seven feet seven inches, and KP. He rolls that one in. That's that's basically the 50-50 mark on the PGA Tour with everything on the line. Cam Young rolls it in to force this thing to a playoff. Yeah, so two things on that. One, I thought Rory kind of lost the – he was kind of in control, and he could have won it on the par fives, and he just he just didn't. He made a six at 12. Can't do that. Uh, and then he made a five at 16. I think – was he in the – I can't remember. Was he in the fairway? Yes. Yeah. I hit it through the green in the back bunker. I believe it was right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're right, Mark. I mean, with the way he drives it being in the fairway, that that's just can't, you can't do that there, you know? Um, and then, you know, Cam was interesting. It, I didn't watch every hole he played. It felt like he didn't make any putts. I, I think you could make the argument that Cam Young was the best player at match play this week. I mean, just from a pure, like, if it was a stroke play event, he would have won or whatever. 
I heard you guys sort of talking about that. I, I don't know who was saying what before I jumped on, but uh, he didn't make anything. And then finally he makes two at the end. He makes the one on 18 and then he makes uh, the one in the playoff where he gets up and down, uh, which was super impressive from whatever it was, one 70 or 190 or I, I can't remember what the number was. So, you know, in the end it was Cam Young made a couple putts and Rory kind of didn't get it done on the par fives on the back nine that, that, that would have probably sent him into the championship. I think uh, he made four bogeys for the week. Cam Young. He made three going into the finals. Did he? I can't remember if he made, he made one. In the he fi- made one. Yeah. on seven, he made one. Okay, so, yeah. but it's incredible. I mean, no, bo- no bogeys in the Sepp Straka match, no bogeys in the Billy Horschel match, no bogeys in the Kurt Kitayama match, no bogeys in the Rory McIlroy match. I mean, that, that's some unbelievable play. He was 39 under through his first hundred holes going into the finals. I mean, it's Just an so easy good. course, but that's that's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy indeed. This one did not need as many extra holes, Mark. It was the first playoff hole where Cam Young uh, gets in with a birdie first. First in generally wins. He makes a nine-foot birdie putt and leaves Rory McIlroy with, let me make sure I have this right, eight feet nine inches to, to drop one on top of him. Uh, to extend. So sorry, Cam Young's was nine feet, two inches. Rory's was eight feet, nine inches. So just a couple inches longer for Cam Young. He gets it in first. Rory cannot match it. And our championship is set. Yeah, it it was a strange reversal of fate because Kyle referenced the fact that Rory sort of had this thing locked up. And it seemed like to me that Young was hitting the ball great and just couldn't really get anything in the hole. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he makes a clutch putt on 18 from, what, 10 feet or so to get the thing into extra time. And then it knocks in that about 10-footer as well. But to be fair, I mean, the way Rory hit his second shot too, that was – you had no chance. You're pitching to a green over a shelf. Green rolls away from you. It's firm, going toward the water. The best he was going to do was like 10, 12 feet, which he did. And it's one of those things always, Rick, where it's kind of first in wins. If, if if you get the chance first, you knock it down, all of a sudden, your competitor, you might have five feet, now it looks like seven all of, a sh- all of a sudden. And there's a finality in match play and obviously in sudden death where it's like, all right, this one misses and you lose. And that adds a different wrinkle to the whole thing. So it was one of those where I had a sense McElroy may make it. But but the odds were stacked against him, and so I feel like it was it was kind of a misfire coming down the stretch. But certainly, where he hit the second shot on that par five, that was that was like Deadsville over there, down right short of that green. Well, I th- real quick, I thought it was interesting, Mark, and I, I would love everybody's take on this. So Cam has to pitch out on twelve because he's kind of dead behind the bunker on his on his drive, and then Rory took kind of a like a way right line into the green. Like you could tell he was looking way out to the right. And it almost was like he was just saying, I'm taking water out of play. And I don't think Cam can get up and down from what was he, Rick? Like 180? Uh, he was at. This is yeah, great. Yeah, this, is, this is great drama. Uh, 170 yards. Okay, so one, so I don't think – and then Cam does get up and down from 170. But it was an interesting kind of strategic play because he wasn't being aggressive, 
which he usually is. And it just, I don't know. Like it, it, it felt like he was kind of daring cam to make a mistake and then he didn't. And then Rory was kind of found himself in trouble. Yeah. Well, where that, the times I've been there, where that holes cut in that black peninsula back peninsula on that green is, is like three, four paces across and just a few paces deep. I mean, it looks like a Nats rear end up there. And then you've got the bunker and the shelf on the, the, the mound on the right-hand side. And you've got water down the left, which cuts into the green some. So from what I saw from Rory, Greg, and I'd like your take, it looked to me like he was trying to swing something in there from right to left. But the one mistake you don't make is in the water. The other mistake you make is you hit it too far on that line because then you have to chip over that yeah. shelf. Like, like if he pulls one club less, tries to hook it in there, maybe gets it front if yeah. it's an easier pitch shot. You know, hitting enough club to get to the center of the green and then blocking the draw, that, that the mistake was on the second shot. But I see where you're going. It was a bit defensive, um, but I've never been one of to, one to curve the ball towards a penalty area. You know, maybe it was lie dependent. We don't know. So there was there was certainly wind out the right. I know that. Well, it was just it was it was like the. I mean, you're right. Like it was either short or just go for it, and he he kind of did neither, and it left him in like just a weird. Like that pitch is so difficult because you got the bunker cutting in from the back right, and it's just it's just so difficult to get it close. You know, it, one real quick, Rick. A big advantage. It's a big advantage in match play to go first, um, uh, and it, when you're now hitting third shots for Cam Young to hit his third shot first, you know that's going to happen if you're Rory. And there's this element of unknown, right? Like like you said, Kyle. He's betting on Cam Young not getting up and down, which is smart. So you have to take the water out of play. But there, it's just a little bit of indecision because, um, like you said, short. the shorter you are, the better the angle gets. And if he leaves it short, he leaves himself a chance to get up and down. So it was almost like it was just a not water. A anywhere, not water. But I'm going to mm -hmm. go for it. And you just kind of get caught in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand the predicament because it's – you know, in order to really give yourself an easy birdie there, you have to be, you have to take on the water to some degree, but that's, um, which is not easy to do in that circumstance. And then on the other side of it, that shot that Cameron Young hit in there was sexy. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. good. That was so good. We have our finals set. We have our consolation match set, and we've got another round of tea times to go. We're going to cover all those, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Let's start. Let's build the drama here. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Uh, we'll start with the consolation match, though. Greg, this this could have easily been the the final. This was the finals that everybody was looking for. The Scotty Scheffler versus Rory <laughs> McIlroy match. Yeah, we almost had it. Almost. Had um, it. We we really did. But it's just amazing that we got these four players in the uh, playing today because it, it was really special. Um, the hard thing about the consolation match is that it is a consolation match. And even though it's world number one against world number three, it there's just something there's something missing from it from a you know from my position on the couch. I really do think both these guys went out and played really hard and wanted to beat each other. Um, but it it just feels to me like there's something missing, uh, and that's a little. There's nothing you could do about it. I so I totally understand. Um, but was really impressed with the way that both of them played because I, I think it's easy to be exhausted and know you're not going to win. And for these two players, especially, you know, it's not like Lucas Herbert's trying to get a, a third place finish over a fourth place finish that you don't have any of that drama, the extra money, the extra FedEx cup points, they, they don't really mean anything and everybody knows it and it doesn't mean anything to them. But I thought both these players really just showed their uh, competitive nature in in this match. Yeah, ten birdies and an eagle. KP, um, they they played well enough. You could, I mean, it's a long day of golf on a long week of golf. It wasn't as back and forth as I think we would have liked. Rory drew first blood on the first hole. He was three up by five. Scotty did climb back a little bit, but he never squared the match. And obviously that means he never took the lead. And it was uh, just 17 holes for Rory McIlroy to beat Scotty Scheffler two and one. Yeah. I thought everybody in the afternoon matches looked kind of, kind of cooked. Like it, it was, the golf was really, really good all week up until the afternoon. We, we've seen that before. We saw it what was it two years ago or last year with like the horse Horschel yeah. and there are a lot of these Horschel final, final yeah. session matches that get out of hand. Yeah. It, it just is like, everybody's gassed because they played a hundred and you know, 11 holes of golf or whatever. So I, I don't know, like, are there a ton of takeaways from this particular match? Not really. I, I think that, you know, what's interesting is that to spin it forward, the, these are, these are the, two clear favorites for Augusta. And if you want to throw Rom at it, yeah, he didn't, he was like, I don't know what is going on. I mean, he, his, he was five over against Horschel in his third match that he just got destroyed in. Uh, obviously I had to withdraw from the players championship. So you can throw Rom in there, but I just thought Rory and Scheffler with their histories at Augusta, the way that they look this week, I, I, I think you know, you have to like, they're the two favorites and I don't know what the numbers are or what the, what Vegas says or whatever, but that was sort of my thinking as I watched this match wind down. The outcome obviously is a third place finish for Rory McElroy, a fourth place finish for Scotty Scheffler. They are two of the three headed co-favorites Kyle right now at uh, the masters, all of Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and John Rahm seven to one with Jordan Spieth. Believe it or not, the next shortest odds, 18 to one. So pretty big gap between Wait, those three. Spieth is fourth at 18. That's right. So there's nobody between seven to one and 18 to one. That is correct. That's weird. I haven't seen that before. No, 
that's pretty that's pretty unique mark um when you look at this and we look at this you know we look through the the golfer profiles later when we look through the state it's it's not going to be a victory for rory it's not going to be a victory for scotty but this is another case of even when they don't win here they are at the top of the leaderboard yeah and uh, i'd gloat about scotty earlier so I'll, I'll glow about rory a little bit now um i saw him at two shots there on the 16th hole this afternoon that convinced me that he can win the Masters this year. The first one, he had the ball above the feet um, with a fairway medal in hand, sort of into cutting wind off his left side on the par 516. He grips down this uh, firewood of his and just carves this little half-speed you know, fairway medal up there. Did climb onto the green, but then released back down. And what made this impressive to me was to hit a cut off a ball above your feet into a quartering off the left wind is kind of Rory's kryptonite. Uh, on those, typically, he gets a little underneath, tends to block them, and then turn them over too much. And when he squared that thing up, and it came out with very little movement, right on line, and not at full speed, I was like, all right, things are matched up here, golf swing-wise, if he can keep this going. And then to follow that up, he's drawn a line just short of the green. You're up and over a ridge to a portion of the green that rolls away from him. You either got to go upstairs, um, if you've got a lie for it, or you're going to kind of bump one into the hill, which you'll see a lot of at Augusta National. You're playing undulations the whole time. One, two, skips into the hill, releases over a little check down there inside three feet. And I was like, all right, he's got the fade shot. He's matched this golf swing up. He's hit the shots you need to around the green at Augusta because there's basically two skills. You get a really floaty, sort of a soft wedge around the greens, or you start to play a thing where you see a first bounce, but you have to be able to get the thing to grip on the second or third. And he did. And I was like, okie dokie, this guy is ready now. Now, um, people can go after me for this. When I see him have that cut shot, then I know that the golf swing is all right. And if he can go ahead and not be afraid of the left-hand side around Augusta National, you better look out. Because when Rory has got into trouble, it's in the first round at Augusta, and it's always been like a left shot down two, and then a left down 11 or one of those sorts of holes, a left down five even. And so we're seeing that little cut ball above the feet into this window over here. That was a recipe for wide right. And he squared that thing up and I was like, yeah, look out. So, so, so look, I'm either going to be proved violently wrong or, or, or this will continue. But right now he's looking really good to me. He is looking good. I think the rebuttal to that is, I don't know that the issues at Augusta have ever been physical. They've manifested physically, but I don't know if they've been, fundamental fundamentally physical i think they've been yes mental. yes I, I i'll i can i'll concede i've gotten to work with two masters champions and it is a mental and an emotional examination just because of the rigor of the week because of the severity and the challenge of the golf course like every shot you hit is on the knife edge there's, there's no free passes around the augusta national but then it's the kind of place too that will expose you if you're not completely there for sure. And, and, and you're playing off so many uneven lies to so many crosswinds to so many situations where you've got to hit the ball to a small area that, that if you're a little off, yeah, then it does become mental because you're grinding on a place that is going to penalize you for not hitting the ball the right distance in the right direction. So, yeah, I'm with you. But, but all of the guys, like everyone talks about it being a short game examination, you know, you've got to be able to save around there, but you've got to hit it around Augusta National and you've got to be able to control spin and trajectory something Tiger was a legend at, Nicholas. And and what Rory did off-speed over there, I think he can almost out-hit some of the demons that he may have going into Augusta trying to finish off the uh, Grand Slam. 
let me uh let me out hitting out hitting demons is like that's the that's the deal right like that's augusta i mean it's not the same as bryson saying it's a par 67 but it's like that's why augusta is what augusta is real quick um not okay so i had this stat earlier this week uh rick nine of the last 11 masters winners were at 1.7 strokes gain t to green or better in the three months leading in so basically just like who's who like the guys that are hitting the ball the best leading in nine of the last 11 were at 1.7 per round or better in the three months leading into augusta mm -hmm. uh, the only ones that weren't were reed in 2018 hideki in 2021 the guys that are currently in that category Scheffler, rory Rom, Morikawa, Cantlay, Homa, Finau. That's it. Yeah, but look, I it's Jason Day was going to sneak in there. May I real fast say real fast? It's also how the ball gets there to your strokes gain metric. What is it doing through the air? How's it spinning? Because when you got swirling winds around that place there, and you hit something that's a little too spinny and it cuts up against the wind, then Ray's Creek becomes a thing. It, it, it's how you hit the ball, the windows you hit it through, and, and essentially the spin control you have. Which again, and I get back to that three metal ball above the feet says draw he's cut this thing off there and i was like yeah yeah and so um I, i'm hearing the strokes gain thing but it's how the ball gets there and right now he looks good we'll, we'll put a bow on the rory conversation with this he said afterwards and i quote i'm a lot more confident going into augusta than i was last year and last year was my best finish the one thing about augusta is you can't go in too overconfident end quote that's Rory McIlroy. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's the story of the week. I mean, it's going to be fascinating other than like the live stuff, which is going to be a total zoo. Rory's sort of mental tussle with Augusta is going to be the story of that week. Rory McIlroy wins the consolation match and we will see him next time uh, on Thursday at Augusta national, the finals. How about this one? Oh, my. Sam Burns versus Cam Young. Greg, it was Cam Young who struck first. He wins. Number two goes one up, and then Sam Burns goes in fuego. Uh, three straight birdies from four through six. Another at eight, four in a row to close out this match from 10 to 13. This was not competitive. Sam Burns <laughs> destroys Cam Young six and five yes this was destruction you look at these <laughs> these 13 holes that he played and there are only five of them that aren't birdies right <laughs> it, it's like what where's the hole what can cam young do uh, he cam young only made three birdies he could have played better um there's no question about that but i feel like if he played better it just would have led to you, you know more a uh, uh, taller birdie count for Sam Burns. This is incredible. He did it with the putter. He did it with wedge play. He did it with iron play. Um, it, he was stuffing wedges in there. He was rolling in 20 footers and 10 footers and 18 footers. He was seeing it on the greens. He was, he was relentless in this match. Uh, and it, and it's a good thing because it's pretty exhausting. And uh, he was able to, you know, reduce that number of strokes. I was just blown away. The one at 11, the, the birdie putty made it 11, which Cam answered, but that was just so pure. The shot he hit into uh, the tee shot he hit at 13 with a three wood 
was just perfect. It was the perfect shot. He didn't make it. He didn't make any mistakes after the second hole. It was um, it was just really, really, really well played. I've got a I've got a stat. I got another stat for you. I'm just a stats factory over here. You're the stat guy. I'm not, but I'm I'm filling in. Um, Sam Burns shot a best ball 56 on Sunday, so he basically played. He played 35 holes, I think, uh, eight, 21, and 13. I guess he played 34 holes, and he shot a best ball 56 on the day, which is kind of a joke. Yes. He was 15 under on it on his best best score of the hole. Now he played 12. He played uh, 12, 13. He played 12 and 13 three times, but oh, everything else, yeah, he played. One through twelve, he played twice, but fourteen through eighteen, he only played once, and he still shot a best ball fifty six. Best ball fifty six. That's a good one. That's pretty sick. Actually. Pretty good. That's pretty that's good. insane. Sam, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Notches his fifth PGA Tour victory. Let's name them. His, his is easy, but let's name them. Valspar, Valspar, Colonial, Sanderson. Match play. There Match you go. Play. Match play. You gotta say I'm off. That's how the that's how the game works. That is absolutely correct. Uh Mark, you know, how quickly how quickly perceptions change on Sam Burns. 2023 wasn't his year. Now all of a sudden he's got an elevated event on the resume. We're headed into major championship season, and Sam Burns uh looking to improve on what has generally been a lackluster major championship career. Yeah. Uh I'd said before we went live that I watched him at the players some in practice and he just looked ragged Um, was working hard on the golf swing trying to get the arms deeper and and uh, it just didn't look like it was there you know he's always hit this sort of big body release cut shot and he just looked out of sequence the club looked behind him and 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 I want to just kind of review something Greg said said earlier that I don't want to go have go uh, washed under the carpet some and that he was struggling some in the morning matches and the iron game was just a miss. And all of a sudden, he just matched it up again and synced everything up and started to really flush it. And, and that speaks to someone who knows what's going on with their golf swing. Because oftentimes, and it's the instructor in me speaking, you could be working with somebody on something, but it comes down to ownership on their behalf. Like it could be perfect for them, but if they don't own it under pressure, you're barking up the wrong tree kind of thing. And so when it started to come apart against Scottish Scheffler, I was like, oh, shucks. Uh, but then all of a sudden he gets the train back on the tracks and look, we know he can putt. And then he starts hitting a few targets and making a few putts. And that turns into Carl's best ball of 56, but he played his way through that rough spot. And that speaks a whole lot to someone who now understands what they're doing, what they have to do, what the miss is going to feel like, what they got to do when they start missing. And most importantly, then uh, what is the feel? What's the mindset to go to? And, and he went there and he went there in a big way. It was impressive. Sam Burns, fifth PGA Tour victory. Friend of the pod, Sam Burns, by the way. So another one for us, the good guys. Any final thoughts on match play? We still have to do – we have to show our consensus bracket. We've got to talk Punta Cana real quick. We've got to do best bets in one and done. Sam Burns, Cam Young, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler. Any final thoughts? I think Cam Young is going to be a, a major championship contender again. Uh, at multiple majors this he year. Is, he is, a, I don't know what he, the handle numbers are, KP, but he is a very popular PGA Championship selection right now. Yeah. Or, I mean, you, any of the majors, just throw, I mean, he, he is, 
He's a monster. And I think, you know, the Paul Tessori uh, sort of storyline, I mean, Greg talked about this. Sean Martin was tweeting about it, just just the parallels to the to the Ted Scott thing. There's a lot of them. And um yeah, I, I I was just I was I was really impressed with him throughout the week. I, I said this earlier, Rick, but from this day forward, more PGA tour earnings, Speeth or Cam Young? Jordan Speeth or Cam Young? Ooh. That's interesting. Got, I mean, gotta be Cam Young. How old is Cam Young? Yeah, he's twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. How old is Jordan Speeth? Thirty nine. I think it's Cam Young, 29. but I but people 30, I think right people's opinion not thirty yet. No, July twenty seventh. Okay. The only person who had a longer run in their twenties was Hideki. Hideki was in his twenties for like seventeen years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, still, still might be. I don't know. Yeah, who can say? People were like whichever side of that that argument you're on. People are adamantly on that side whether it's speeth you're pe- people are like that's a stupid question it's speeth and other people are like of course it's cam young yeah. <laughs> and, and so you know it's, you know it's like a fun question when people are like very confident in what their answer is i'm not that confident but i think it's cam young i mean he, he's he's awesome well how about cam young rory for the rest of the career i think that's interesting too because rory's 34 going to be 34 this year yeah he's got nine cam young has nine years on him and, and what are going to be like yes purses, purses are not are going, going up. they're not going down the i think i might take cam young the there skyrocketed and was this money or was this titles because no, 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 no just money just money okay because he was entertaining live at one stage <laughs> are, are you uh including fedex cup bonuses no just official, official money official money yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you you can Think about when Jordan was just first coming. I mean, he, he wasn't playing for $2 million checks to the winner. I mean, there, no. you were in major championship winners were making 1.3 most Here's, of Jordan's career. Who, who, would, who would you take over Cam Young right now? Like from the, not from past, but from this day on. Oh, uh, there is somebody. Um, well, maybe the Morikawa. Tom Scheffler. I, I, I think Scheffler's in that mix. He's 25 too. Uh, yeah. Scheffler. Yeah, Scheffler got to be. Burns. Tom, Tom Kim's not a bad one. Salatoris, not a bad one either. No. How, how old is Morikawa? He's like twenty-four. He might be twenty-five. Of uh, of all of them, I feel like the golf swing that puts the least stress in the body is probably Cam Young as well, because of the way his feet give way underneath him, the shape he holds through his spine and his pelvis. I mean, he's got an engine down there, and his abs and his to- and his torso that is unreal. Like Zalatoris loses that shape and tilts. That's why he has some of the issues with his back. So, you, you know, all of them, the other guy that does it very well through the ball and I think will have a lot of longevity is Max Homer, just, mm-hmm. just the shape he holds through the golf ball. He's just an old man for this conversation. Yeah, the, the real answer is some 13-year-old who <laughs> finishes T20 Charlie. and gets like 1.6 million. Charlie Woods. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bracket stuff real quick. Our consensus bracket, not not great, Bob. So we finished 324th out of 404. We had Max Homa winning it all. Spoiler alert, he did not. We had, what does that say? Who do we have in the finals? I can't even read that. Who is that? John Rom. John Rom. Yeah. 
spoiler alert, did not get out of his group. Thank you. Who else did we have in the final four? We had what was our consolation match? We had we had uh Sahith. What are you guys thinking? I got off before this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this wasn't great. We got, I'll tell you what, we got, we got uh, both Homer and Hughes right out of, the, out of this. Yeah, group. that's pretty good. Couple of green, couple of green nuggets there. That's, that's not good. I'll tell you what, who, uh, here's who won our bracket challenge. I just had it up. Uh, Radzok 10 won it, had Burns winning it all, had, uh, let's see, Cam Young going deep, had Xander going deep. Had Burns and Cantlay correct. Had Jason Day and Kucher correct. Had Scheffler correct. Had Billy Horschel, Cam Young correct. Yeah, there, a lot of congratulations to Rad Zock 10. That's who won our. He had Kucher in the moving on. He had Kucher winning the group. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Kucher winning the group. Jason Day winning the group. I think he got eight group winners right. Wow. It's almost like we've talked about this before. The, if you pick the perfect bracket in this, you made you have to make some bad picks. Like, like you have to make bad picks in order for you to be right here because there's yeah. so much volatility. I mean, yeah. Picking Matt Kuchar is there's there are not a lot of reasons to pick him, yet he he won. Mackenzie Hughes is the same thing. Why would you pick Mackenzie Hughes to get out of his bracket? He does. It's just, it's wild. We also had another PGA Tour event going on this week. It was in Punta Cana. And with rounds of 67, 66, 70, and 66, it was Matt Wallace, Mark, who got his first PGA Tour victory. He's got one in the books now. Yeah, I'm super happy happy for, for Wally. Um, he's been the consummate work in my golf swing guy for the last few years. And, and I, I've known, I know him well. He's a great guy, but man, he got his heart on himself. And when stuff wasn't good, he'd start retooling his golf swing. And he's been through multiple iterations of stuff. And it's been tough for everybody around him, caddies, coaches, the whole thing, and especially on himself. And, and to finally get one done, uh, I think it's, it'll sort of free him up to go and play some free golf now because you almost got the sense with him at times that he was trying almost too hard to play well. And, and it's such a fine line between working hard and then playing free. And uh, I, was, I was so glad to see him pull it off and especially glad to see him sort of win, you know, with a late birdie down the stretch there. Um, so I'm happy for him. I texted him. I'm looking forward to seeing him because I, I know this is a huge monkey off his back. Uh, some fun names that we always kind of talk about, Greg, who are inside the top 10. Thomas Dietrich finished T8. Uh, Wyndham Clark finished solo sixth. We got Nikolai Hoygaard, solo second, just one shot off the lead. Austin Eckroat, solo fifth. There's some there's some decent, decent little squad names in there for us. Yeah, I've been um pretty big on Wyndham Clark the last couple of weeks. He's been playing some really good golf. This is a okay. disappointing round for him today, though. Um he Wyndham Clark probably should have won this event, um, playing as well as he did. So he he's like a step away. He's a step away from really contending in a big time event uh, and being able to win because he certainly has the game um matt wallace the four four birdies coming down the stretch in a row was awesome by the way 13 14 15 16 um in route to that 66 pretty good stuff akshay got in on monday kp 
finished T24, didn't have himself a great weekend, but he went 73-63 on Thursday and Friday. He is an electric factory. <laughs> yeah, I want to see him in match play. Just, yeah, right? Let's <laughs> all, go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't know what you're getting there. So, yeah, it was kind of a low-key uh good event i mean just from a name standpoint you know those are matt wallace might be on the Ryder cup team uh wyndham clark and and uh, austin eckrode future potential stars on the p i mean I, who knows how it's going to play out so um yeah this is an event we saw joel damon win what was that three or four years ago so you've got guys that are going to be real players on the pga tour in the future contending in this event Okay, a couple more items to do. We've got to recap our best bets and a lot of money on the line in the one and done. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The best bets portion of the show. Notoriously difficult event to handicap. We actually did an okay job on the group winners, considering how chaotic those have been. Mark, you split your group winners, but one of them was uh, plus 210. Jason Day was your winner. Christian Bezadenhout, uh, your loser. Yeah. Um, I maybe lost my mind a little bit there. But I thought Christian would do better. I had a sense that Jason would make a long run, and he did. Um, I was just there looking at the outrights. You know, you know I'm a McElroy fan, and but but I was kind of hoping Scotty would pull something off because I just I just want to make one right call once this year. That's my goal. I will. I think you will certainly be doing that. KP, Sahith, loser, but Cam Young, winner, group 15. Sahith got the hottest player on the planet in the first oh, match. Yes, and then once you lose the first one, it's so hard after that, man. I, yeah. That and the Denny McCarthy. Denny played way better than his, like, whatever it was, 0-2-1 record showed. That, that, those are the two that will, that will eat me up for a bit. I think Sahith and Minwu shot best ball 58 in the first match of the event, which was just absurd. But we did get Cam Young right. Um, I, I, I'm with Mark. I was I don't know why I didn't write it more, but Jason Day is I think I think the <clears throat> sort of view of Jason Day hasn't caught up with how well Jason Day is playing right now. I don't think people are and maybe we talked about this on Tuesday. I don't think people are understanding that he's been like the fourth best player in the world in 2023. Even if I think it, re, I think it's reflected in kind of what some of his numbers are right now. Now, how's that going to play out at Augusta, which is, I don't think he's playing next week at tech at uh, Valero. Is he? Uh, no, it's not in the field. So he's masters a- will be his next start. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you can get him at for top 10, top 20 right now, but whatever it is, I would, I would do it. He's a sneaky pick. Uh, I, I'm all over Jason Day for Augusta National. I truly am. He's finished runner-up there before. He plays the game great, can hit the ball high. He's got it all going on. Uh, but the way he's playing right now, I like his chances in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. Patrick had two losers. Adam Hadwin, Terrell Hatton. I had two winners. Patrick Cantley, Cam Young. We all missed our outrights because there was no Sam Burns on the board. Greg, what was the most disappointing or the biggest surprise for you this week? Ooh, um, most disappointing, probably, well, one that stands out to me, and this may not be the most disappointing, uh, but Tony Finau not getting out of his group. Again. Yeah, I mean. Five in a row. Five in a row. He just gets absolutely waxed by Kitty Yama, 
And then he and he still gets into a playoff and that makes double on the first playoff hole. It, it was just a, a killer for me. Um, I also think Jordan Spieth losing his match on uh, on Friday when the thing that he needed. I'm, I'm trying to think of the exact scenario, um, but he needed somebody to lose. They did. Jordan didn't get in the playoff. Cause he didn't take care of he yeah, didn't take care it. It was of like, Lowry. right. It was the Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Montgomery match. I think Montgomery yeah, beat Hughes. That's right. That's exactly what it which was. was. The help Spieth needed. And no, Hughes beat Montgomery. Sorry. Yes, that right. is correct. Yes. Right. So it, it, I just feel like he should have been in there mixing it up. Um, I think Sam Burns is the biggest surprise of the week. No, no question for me. I, I mean, I, 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 it's not a big surprise that he got out of his group. It's a really big surprise to me that he played the way he did uh, and won. Cause this, is, he hasn't played like this in a long time. What was, what was he like? 40 to one, 50 to one. Uh, I can double check for you, but I would say he was probably 40. That probably, that sounds probably better. He dominated. He did. Although he didn't. Cam Young was better until the finals. Uh, yeah, I I agree with that. And I thought Rory was probably better also than Burns until Burns got to the finals. But he but Burns was I agree with you, Greg. He was up until last week he had been bad. I mean, he was he yeah. was he was good at Valspar, but before that he had been just lousy, especially for for somebody of his caliber. Even Valspar, I always wonder when you see somebody play well at a place they always play well at. Is this just a horse for course thing? Like a one. Okay. Yeah. We know Sam Burns is going to play well at Valspar, but is his game really at that level? And that question, it was impossible to answer at that point, but there wasn't enough evidence for me to say, oh, yeah, Sam Burns is going to contend in this match play. I mean, no way. Um, so it was a big surprise to me. Hey, Rick, I want yes. to put this out there in the ether, just getting back to Mackenzie Hughes. If he doesn't play his way onto the team for the President's Cup in Montreal, um, you better get a pick. That guy is the best match player of all the Canadians. And I'm going out there on the record saying so. Uh, he proved kind of who he is this week. And and I hope, well, I'm sure Captain Weir has got his eye on him because I think he'll be a real strong one for the team. The Canadians have some uh, revenge to exact. Yes. They were not good uh, at Quail Hollow. Right. Yes, I'm not, I'm not forgetting that. Okay, so we the Canadians have got, have got to get back on track. Maybe Mackenzie Hughes is the answer to that. Both of our finals participants, KP Sam Burns and Cam Young, were 35 to one to win this. Okay, one. yeah. Let's do the one and done. 20 million in the purse. So there was a lot of potential movement, though it didn't really shake out that way. We didn't do particularly great. Do we have the graphic, Josh? Let's take a peek. See. There you go, Greg. Oh, this is what I, I was. This ah. is the this is the biggest disappointment that I was teeing you up for. Uh, ah. So, Greg, you went with Terrell Hatton. He was zero and three. However, he still gets sixty seven thousand five hundred. Good for him. Not so good for you. No, it it does nothing for me. Here we go again. Another big time event and another laid egg for me. I, I got to figure out. I mean, I'm like Sam Burns in the majors. Mm, uh, wow! I, I, gotta, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta figure something out here and i gotta figure it out quick patrick went with jason day 
Best uh, outcome. Which actually wins the week. That's right. 645,000, though it gets him closer to you, Kyle. Uh, 5.3 million now, but he did not overtake anyone. So you kind of you survived this one as well. Yeah, it's getting kind of bunched in the middle there between basically between Patrick and Rick is fairly tight. Uh, Greg and Mark are kind of the outliers, I would say. Rick a little bit too, but um, yeah, the can't lie stuff for the four of us in the middle. I don't know. It was fine. I, I don't. That's probably a waste of can't lie, but I, it's just hard to know. I almost feel like you go the Mark or Rick route of of picking kind of a like not a top ten guy, but somebody's who's on the out. So the the Patrick pick was good because it's not a top ten guy, but it's somebody that's playing well who's on the outside. Um. So yeah, maybe a a bad pick in can't lay in retrospect. KP, Sia, the fans, and Kyle M, all four in the middle, went with Patrick Cantlay. The official tally there, 365,000. So those guys all – actually, there was no movement in the order of the standings this week. I went with Sahith. That got me 113,000. I survived that. I was looking for a tactical place to uh, rev back a little bit or, or, or lean back a little bit and, and not get burned. I survived it. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood for you, Mark, 74,000. So I, no, no matter how small it was, gained ground on you. Yeah, I was kind of like you. Yeah, you, you try and get past match play. Some. I, I thought Cantley was a dynamite pick. The way he was playing, I thought, I was looking at this going, oh my goodness, this guy's going to end up in the final four. And the way he plays, it, it, this could be ugly. So essentially kind of dodged the bullet for me. But like you say, it's, it's so hard to pick this stuff. Like, my best bet from last week. I was prepared to lay my mortgage on the fact that Russ Henley would take down Lucas Herbert. Well, Herbert advances out of his group into the knockout stages. So it's just golf. And in match play, golf proliferates. And it's it's hard to call. It really is. Mark, are you at all concerned that over your last five events, you have only earned $1.1 million? <laughs> only earned $1.1 million. <laughs> to put that into perspective, Kyle has earned 2.6. Uh, I have earned 2.6. Patrick has earned 2.4. Kyle M has earned, oh my God, 5.4 million. Uh, Sia has earned 5.6 million. Uh, the fans have earned oh, 710,000. So we're, we're coming for you, Mark. We're coming, runs, baby. Runs, Rick. In every league, there's always runs. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what's, what's the long-term plan? And I feel like I feel good with my long-term plan. Just check it in. Just get a temperature check. You seem to be doing okay. That's fine. I've got a I've got a final match play take if if you guys want it. Fire away. Uh I think that the match play is I thought the takes, and we all had them. I had one, Rick had some about how this event needs to not go away. It's the best event, et cetera, et cetera. This year was a little bit of an anomaly. The final four was really good, like really good players. And you don't always get that, right? And I think that I am pro match play. I think match play is awesome, but I need it to, and I said this on Tuesday, I need I need it to be manipulated so that it's big names. I mean, that's why, that's why the Ryder Cup is great because it's like, I mean, that's among the reasons the Ryder Cup is great because it's big names because it's, 
stars and superstars. I, I need some sort of mechanism to push big names in there because if you get the McKenzie Hughes of the world, love McKenzie Hughes, not a shot at him, but it's just not as it's just not as compelling. It's fine. It's just not as compelling. So do I want match play to stick around? Absolutely. Do I need it to be stars against stars? I kind of do. But do, don't you love the fact that Florida Atlantic's in the final four? Um, y- yes. I'm actually with Mark on this. No, I don't. You see, you I, see, this is the mechanism yeah. in place with a round robin matches to, to try. And, and we had a, a number of seeds go through and we, and we had some seeds show up in the final four, but there's always going to be an anomaly. 18 hole, 18 hole match play. Anything can happen. Lucas Herbert, for goodness sake. I mean, yeah, I think it's different if it's 18 holes is just so like if Lucas Herbert beats John Rahm over a hundred holes, then you're like, okay, that's wow. That was incredible. But 18 holes, there's just, there's too much, too much variance. I, that stuff happens every week, right? I mean, every, every day on tour, a Lucas Herbert beats a John Rahm. Yeah. In a round, but over four in a, rounds. In a round. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Over four rounds, it would actually be like when Lucas Herbert wins the Masters, you're like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe he did that. That was an extraordinary accomplishment to do it over 18 holes. It just doesn't. It's like, oh, well, that was kind of random. And it, I, I just I can't get emotionally invested okay. like I would at a, at a big event. Okay, so I, I, get, I get why you're saying this. And I agree it would be a lot better if we could guarantee like the four stars in there every single time. Like that'd be awesome. But why – and this is not directly at you, Kyle. But why is the idea of FAU and what was it, Lob City or whatever, when they made Dunk City? Like why is it when a Cinderella – literally we call them Cinderella's – make runs in the in March Madness. They are yeah. widely loved and supported and Sister Jean gets a 30 for 30 <laughs> and like... Did you really get a 30 for 30? I don't know, probably. Like literally, like bobbleheads are made of her. Like why is that so widely supported yet when Mackenzie Hughes makes a run, yeah. everybody so here, hates it? Here's the reason. Because when when... Mackenzie Hughes makes a run at the U.S. Open like he did in 2021. He's playing in the final pairing. You're like, wow, this is this is crazy because the four rounds is the full game. It would be like if Lob City was winning after one quarter and then they got to move on to the next round. <laughs> right? There's a, there's another aspect to this too. Um, and it's simple, but... Golf is not exciting to sit down and watch for four hours. That's right. But right, basketball is exciting. Golf is not. So golf leans on context and history and storylines and nuance and names and and <laughs> name. Yeah, well, names provide all those things, right? What does this mean for Rory? Can Rory yeah. do it? He struggled with this shot. We know Rory's history. When you see, um, I mean, even a player like. Yeah, we'll stick with Mackenzie Hughes. Um, you don't necessarily know what he's been through because you haven't seen him on TV very much. And the broadcast does a nice job to kind of tell some of those stories, but it doesn't connect with the fan as much. And it's not an exciting enough game to where the name can not matter. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I just think this year provided like the perfect argument for match play. When I think the reality over the last 10 years has been that it's fine, it's good, 
but it's mostly good when big names and superstars kind of play each other. Now, if you want to keep the match play and blow it out till you're 128, Rick, or whatever, great. Let's do it. Let's also add it in at the end of the year as the 16 best players of the year playing each other for the FedEx Cup or whatever, because that is like, okay, that's stars and superstars clashing. That's Rory Scheffler. That's some of the times when we get these big names and like we got Rory Scheffler today, they they don't even have anything left. And you're getting these depleted superstars going at it on Sunday afternoon with nothing in the tank. It's just, I don't know. It. I felt like the argument was being made for match play, but it was a little bit of a... I don't know. I it, it was it not disingenuous, but it just didn't really resonate with me. I'll, it, I'll, it, it, go ahead, Mark. No, no. I just want to add something to that real fast. You see, the one thing, like from a broadcast perspective, I think a, the reason a lot of folks loved this match play was there was a whole lot of highlights coming down the stretch between some big guys. You're seeing some really exciting golf kind of thing, and you would find it, find NBC training themselves kind of on one match, important match, and then they'd peel away to others. Um, so I think that uh, had a whole lot of say-so in why there was so much conversation on Twitter about the thing, um, whereas four rounds can be a little bit more of a marathon and a slog. So there was this finality, this inevitability about the thing. But I can imagine sitting there in a production meeting the, late this morning and going, Boys, we're about to get Scheffler and McElroy for the title, and then we're not. And and so from that, it was like the air was almost let out of the balloon from the broadcast standpoint, because even though they were depleted, having those two contending for $2.7 million in the trophy, that would have added some more spice to what was a great week. So having this Final Four, this is my last thing on it, um, but this this highlighted the entire problem with match play, in my opinion, which I love the event. Until Sunday. And the problem is you can have a great, you can have a great four players in the finals, um, but it's one-on-one match play. And it's your most important television window for your tour. Your most important moment in the tournament is the, is anticlimactic. I mean, every year it's anticlimactic. Maybe it's because they're tired. Maybe it's because there's only one match that matters on the golf course. Uh, there are a lot of reasons, but I, I just I think there are. This is the reason why major championships like the PGA goes away from match play because it's it's not your best product. It doesn't necessarily determine who the best player is, um, and and it it ends often anticlimactic. Where Wednesday through Sunday morning were fantastic. They're great, but those aren't your most important moments your most important moment is from four to six on sunday and it does it often doesn't deliver i think a solution to that is you could bring back you you could you can make everybody play for the top eight spots or the top 10 spots or whatever so you just have more matches going on yeah that's been thrown around a lot over the years and it's an you know it it could provide some storylines but would it really hammer at home no i yeah, I don't know. We're infuriating Rick right now. He's just he's going to quit boiling. this podcast. <laughs> I I do love Wednesday through Friday. No, I get it. Like I understand the challenges that come with this. I just think that all the good stuff outweighs that pretty significantly. It it creates it, it, somebody was saying this. It might have been Rom on Tuesday 
it creates so many weird situations. I mean, Spieth, well, Spieth does weird stuff every week, but like <laughs> hitting a fan's phone and hitting it off a rock and Greller trying to move the rock. I mean, just, just outrageous stuff. And it does create, I think, more absurdity, which I'm always for. And so I, I don't, I like, don't hear me wrong here. I don't want match play to go away. I just, I just felt like the usage of this year of like, see, match play is amazing. It is, it's cool. It's just not cool. I think necessarily all the time for the reasons that it was cool this year. There was also a good, I don't know who said it. There was a good point about these guys have to tap into sometimes like their 99th percentile shot, like to try to take on a shot that they would never try to take on. And a lot of times they pull it off. Right. Because they have to, and it's like, I've got to get up and down from here. So it's, yeah, it, it does create some pretty compelling moments, but I, I, I know the, I know the downsides. I'm actually pro major championship match play, Rick. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I am, I am in favor. Why not Mark? What's the number one reason why not? You got to ride a cup once every two years, you get your feast on match play and you speak about finality and meaning to every shot. I heard Jason day talk after the one round. He goes, every match you play in this thing feels like Sunday at a major because it's, it's the finish line is there and you got to hit that 99th percentile shot. So I think the Ryder cup, the president's cup's growing into it. Maybe have some match play event, but no, I don't play for the tour championship. Don't make it a major championship. That's four. That's four rounds of golf. Let the cream rise to the top. Let just let, well, it, let it happen. Well, the cream already has risen to the top by the tour championship. If you have eight guys in it, right? Like that's your that's your sort of mechanism to get those. Yeah, but I'm talking about having a major championship match play style. Right? Well, I think that I I don't disagree with you because that's the point I was making earlier. Make them 36 whole matches. <laughs> Talk about cooked. Talk about cooked. On Listen, I'm fine. Do you want to win a major or not? I'm, I'm fine with it taking two weeks. Like that's part of my deal. It's like this is sure. going to take two weeks. Like I, I don't can, care. I can like, imagine you, Twitter going, "This is so boring." Oh, let's get this over with. We need a result quickly. Come, let's go. Do you? Do you, Yeah. Do you want to win a major or not? Get your ass in shape and get out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. These, these guys can't play seven rounds of golf in five days. Jeez. <laughs> You, you you I mean I think you could like that would be that would be tough. They they used to play God, I I saw this one time it was like just somebody who played like it was like 200 holes of golf in a week. I yeah. I tweeted this that, out a couple isn't that years one ago. Of Sam Snead's like 83 wins or something. It's like a two <laughs> he beat like three guys in like a 200 hole marathon Pro- or something. Probably. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, extend it over 10 days, make it a massive thing. It, 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 and it would, it would help your like Rom missing the, you know, cause the chances of Rom losing a 36 hole match are a lot less than him losing an 18 hole match. So I don't know, whatever. We could talk about this for two hours. Uh, We are talk about marathoning. This is day 11 straight of the first cut podcast and we are not stopping anytime soon until Wednesday of next week. So we just have two more straight. So we'll go 13 straight day, 13 straight days of first cut content is what we will do because next week is Valero, which will be uh DFS preview, mega preview pod day off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Joe Musso in the comments asking for a first cut match play outcome. Yeah. In what golf? 
I, I like his comment. Burns wins eighteen and seventeen over Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think you think nine and eight is cool? <laughs> yeah. Uh, More T-shirt opportunities. Who wins the first cup match play? Craig. Yeah, it's not Although, me. Give me a run for his money. I'll tell you, Patrick money. is super sneaky good at golf. Yeah, I bet he's. I, yeah, he's like single and doesn't like have a, kids. Yeah, he's like a two. Yeah, yeah, sure. He, he, I guarantee, he plays a lot more than me. Uh, I think, I think we'd get a Greg Patrick final. Yeah, and oh. Greg would be cooked, and 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 Patrick <laughs> would be fresh as a daisy. Are and we going thirty six hole matches? <laughs> well, and and Mark could announce it, and Rick could crunch the numbers, and I could uh, just send tweets about it. Perfect. We could just all three watch it. Perfect. We're we're in. We're in. F- find us a club. We'll go. We'll go. Yeah, let's up. set it up. I'm in. Uh, all right, gents. Anything else? Are we good? I think we're good. All right. Big thanks, producer Josh. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman available at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme at the Real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.